Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode brought to you by the great people at GameSurplus.com, where you can find the current hits, the classics, and the hard-to-find titles. Let Carmen and Elaine find your game and receive free shipping for all contiguous U.S. shipping orders over $120. Remember, GameSurplus.com, great people, great selection, and great prices. And in Canada, amazing stories in Saskatoon. If you're in the Saskatoon area, come by the store for Friday night board games. Play and receive 20% off your purchase of any board games in the store. Amazing Stories is the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Retailer in Canada and nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture and on this episode we are going to discuss... El Grande from me, Ryan. El Grande? El Grande. Oh, surprise. Surprise, surprise. What do you got for us this time? Oh, I'm going hotness, baby. I'm going Keyforge. Luke, what are you going to talk about? I'm going to be talking about formerly known as Noya Heimat, now the Estates. What is a cardboard cohort? Well, cardboard cohorts are board gamers banded together who support and inspire one another and become colleagues and friends in the board gaming community. And with that being said, we would like to support the good, the bored, and the ugly. They have a podcast on iTunes and they record weekly live stream YouTube content. So please check them out. All right, welcome back to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm going to hand this over right away to Luke because I have heard nothing but incredible things from uh, Edward at Heavy Cardboard about Noya Heimat. Uh, man, about a year ago when he put out his, I think it was his like top six entry game, heavy games or something like that. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I was uh, put onto this game as well, actually. And um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, um uh, capstone games makes this announcement that they're going to uh take their run at this game and from this point i'm going to hand it off to you because this is your review man yeah so game details i mean yeah well, let's give just that little bit of connection history background it was a game that was originally called noia heimat and uh it was made by chili spiel uh these games by chili spiel i'm not sure if all of them but i know that a number of them came in these boxes normally <laughs> it was like quite literally uh, like a shoebox like you you kind of had that sort of a lid on it and and a lot of these games came with big chunky wooden sorts of pieces they're they're very physical games in that sense um now uh like you mentioned capstone has picked it up as a reprint which they've renamed as the estates and it falls under capstone games uh simply complex line they've also uh also done a reprint of a game called the climbers yes and both these games sort of have these larger wooden pieces and uh and like like the title of uh the simply complex line they the rule sets really are quite simple but there is some depth of complexity in terms of decision space for each of these yeah each of these games and i and i think uh they're they're knocking it out of the park in terms of that match of uh, a simply complex game within the line that i've seen so far cool did we hit the designer 
nope, nope, let's hit that. So that's that's just kind of the, the game because it does yeah, have oh, two, sorry. Because sorry. it does have two titles, you might hear it referred to as either or, but it is, I think, essentially the same. Um, the designer's name is Klaus Zoch. Zoch. And um, <laughs> <laughs> artists, at least for the uh, estates, the capstone edition, are uh, Dan van Peridon and Thies van Peridon. That must be a design team. Sounds like a family uh, connection. And um, the publisher, as already mentioned, is either Chili Spiel for the Neue Heimat or um, Capstone Simply Complex Line for the Estates. Cool. So, yeah, that kind of gives a little overview, I hope, um, of some of its uh, some of its background and uh, yeah historical connection there. Reprints important, are important details. Yeah, yeah. So the overview, uh, the nuts and bolts. Uh, the, the introduction in the manual says, the city council recently approved the zoning map for a new urban development, the estates, featuring high-end infrastructure and a modern atmosphere for its citizens. And, um, and sort of you as players step into this place of developers. By the way, let's just pause right here. <laughs> I, oh man, I'm just buckling. This is hilarious. You have to tell. You have to tell what's going on because nobody yes, can yes. see. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of real life here. I'm, I'm a dad and I've got my seven month old baby with me. Uh, so if you're, if you hear any noises, it's not my body, but. Uh, <laughs> and I jokingly said, Hey, are you raising a pterodactyl? Cause and then of course, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and, and of course, if I'm going to be, if you're going to be honest, I'm going to be honest because I'm currently recording this from the, the bathroom of my son's hospital room. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we're good thing that you can't see anything because, yeah. <laughs> board gamers keeping it real. Let's just. Yeah. Daddy's on duty. Yeah, dad's on duty. I like that. This is the dad edition right here. Yeah. Take <laughs> care. Take care of the kids. Taking care of the kids. All right. So we were Talk at the uh, the shtick. What's the feel? What's this game? going after yeah so I mean, players sort of enter into this uh little idea of being contractors to develop a part of this uh city right and uh there, there's a little note in the introduction here too that there's there's maybe some shady business permits might be handed out that were sort of illicitly uh funded or or uh sort of manipulated and uh, and that's a major part of the game as well that i'll get to but uh, yeah essentially we're playing contractors building buildings and scoring points for those buildings now it's it's a fairly abstracted game like it's got just you know, numbers on blocks which represent floors and roofs. And um, what, what's going to be happening is, as players um, are going around, sort of the, the the thing that holds it all together, the the absolute glue is this extremely simple auction mechanic. And I've that heard so much about this auction mechanic. Perfect. It's just it's clean, and it's you do the exact same thing on everyone's turn, but. The object that you're auctioning is what defines all the decisions behind the auction, right? So I'll, I'll explain just quickly how that auction works. Um, essentially, what happens is a player has the choice between there's a uh, there's a bunch of colored floors, they're called. Um, those would be these sort of wooden blocks with numbers on them. There are roofs and there are building permits. Um, there is something called a cancel cube and a mayor hat. And all of these objects are made out of wood. And what's really neat about the game is it just simplifies everything because on your turn, you know it's gonna, you're gonna host an auction as the auctioneer and you just are allowed to choose any one of these pieces of wood <laughs> as, as the object for auction. 
It's actually quite neat. Okay. And, and so, I mean, you could choose the mayor hat as your first thing. You could choose a floor. Uh, you could choose a roof. Well, unless there, there has to be floors. But, that, you know, there's rules behind each of the objects. But I just love the simplicity of just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds saying. like a smoker's cough if I've heard one. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that simplicity of saying just you're going to host an auction, choose a piece. So it's a once around. Um, so you as the auctioneer do not participate in the auction, but each of the other players at the table will have one opportunity to bid or pass. Um, the way it functions when it comes back around to you as the auctioneer is you have a choice. You can either accept the highest bidder's offer and receive their money and give them that piece to do with it as they will. And it's usually an immediate, uh, well, it is always an immediate play of that piece according to certain rules depending on which piece. Um, or you can match the highest bidder's amount and take the piece for yourself, but your money will go to that highest bidder. Um, so you'll immediately see it's a closed economy. Money is exchanging hands constantly, which is also really interesting because you have to keep track of kind of who has how much. And there's um, no new money coming in. There's no new money coming in. In fact, oh. one thing that can happen to money is it can kind of go out of the game. Um, See, he agrees. He agrees. That's cutthroat. He agrees. It's so cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much the heart and the meat of the game. Um, what you do with each of the objects is is a bit more of a, a situation. So how, should I should I go into detail about some of those things or? How I, I have a question though, because yeah. of related to that idea of the economy. Do you have to show how much money you have? No. No. Oh. So, so this is one of the things that the game does come with, um, they're called checks. Um, and they represent, each check represents a million dollars or one dollar in bidding <laughs> terms. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you sort of, you sort of get a sense of people's money based on how big their stacks are. But I mean, I, you, you're that's allowed- That's your only reference point. Totally, you're allowed to hide it. You don't have to, it's not oh. open in that way. Um, the only thing that kind of is open, which is somewhat trackable, is at the beginning of each person's turn, they have the option to sort of embezzle $1 million. So one of their checks. And you do that by placing it face down and underneath your corner of the game board. And so everyone can sort of see that, oh, I, I'm realizing there's this much kind of money going out of the game. If you, if you were thinking about it, you could keep track of how much people are, but it's one of those pieces of information that's hard to parse if you lose track. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, um uh how do you score points how do you win this game i'm yeah. so so this I'm is the enthralled. whole yeah this is the whole shtick this is where the complexity comes in right you got the the simple auction mechanic but the really difficult decisions because of scoring so the game board is divided into three rows that sort of extend the length of the board and the rows are important because rows score all together so What's happening here is as you're building buildings, you might be invested with other people in that row and you have mutual investment because that row is going to score all together. So you might own one building, another player might own another building, but you realize quite quickly that you sort of form these little alliances as you're going. Now, the thing is though, all three rows are gonna score, but they're either gonna score positive or negative points. <laughs> and so, you start to also realize that you can get trapped by these alliances. <laughs> and the game, honestly, has an incredible amount of player-driven chaos. 
like the ability to muck with people's um, plans is just incredible. And it all comes down to, and th this is the thing, I have found that every single auction, regardless of which piece is being played, it might be a piece for one of my buildings or a piece for one of your buildings, it might be a roof, it might be a permit. I just have a reason to want that piece. <laughs> right? It's either I want it for myself, I want it because I don't want you to have it, I want to use it to target you, I want to use it to, to sort of throw it out into some random place on the board so it doesn't affect anyone. Like there's just so many layers for why you might want something in every box. Okay, so I've heard people refer to it as like a take that. Define how the take that. I mean, you've you've said a few key, you know, key things about taking this away from you, but is that the extent of this, you know, how cuz I've hear everyone says this is a nasty game. Oh, absolutely. This can be one of the meanest. You have to know going into this, it's just full on cutthroat. Um, so, <laughs> so the part where um, it really come it really boils down is the fact that in order to score a row in positive points, it needs to be a completed row of buildings, which has two factors it has to meet. First, every building has to have a roof on it, okay? okay. And second, it has to fill the required number in that row. So this is where the building permits come into play because uh, the, <laughs> the average size of a row at the beginning of the game is four buildings. Four buildings. And permits might extend or um, sort of uh, subtract from that number. And so what you can do is actually extend these rows further than people are able to build over the course of the game and thus creating a situation where everyone in that row is gonna score negative points because that row is incomplete. Or for example, there are a finite number of roofs, there's only 12. And so again, if you're extending those rows with the building permits, there actually aren't enough roofs to finish all the buildings. And we ended up in some scenarios where, in fact, none of the rows scored positive. <laughs> because you're fighting for the, those roofs. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's well, well, do you want to move on to the next chunk? Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, I should say one more thing, um, just mechanically, that I found fascinating was that at the beginning of the game, um, like I said, you're playing corporations and there's, there's six player colors in the game. Okay. And, um, those all represent a corporation. So you might own a building. Um, if you have the topmost floor and it's roofed, that building belongs to you. Now to get that corporation though, is, isn't a simple thing. Like you hand them out randomly or anything like that at the beginning of the game. In fact, what happens at the beginning of the game is the first person to build in that, like a floor of a particular color, gets that corporation. And so what happens at the beginning is even the initial auctions are interesting because you're actually not just vying over a piece, but the sort of presidency of that corporation, if that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense, yeah. And so I've actually had a few games where I might have gotten two or three corporations and in fact someone didn't have any. And that creates a really interesting bit of chaos because that player's goal in the game is probably just to embezzle as much money as they can and make sure everyone else scores in the negative. <laughs> so again, you got to know, the chaos going on is crazy in this game, but fantastic. Here's the uh, here's one of my questions I always ask myself when I'm if I enjoy a game when it's not my turn am I interested in what's going on 100 percent 
because in a sense, it's always your turn. Like um, that's the beauty of the auction mechanic, right? Like you are always, always in each other's business on every single turn. And if, and, and, and the time between uh, the, the completion of an auction and the playing of that piece is usually quite minimal, right? Like this game really is only about half an hour to 45 minutes long. Oh man. Is, is there like over the table coercion and, and collusion and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially because you're invested in each other's rows. Like I started to see in different games, like I'd be allied with this person, but not that person. And uh, yeah, you sort of can create little, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Little, little uh, sorts of cartels. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm fired up. I, I was always interested because like I had mentioned prior to going live, that mm -hmm. uh, I saw tweets uh, galore uh, from uh, Essen and BGG Con, yeah. and uh, every I just basically was was kind of paying attention to the thermostat, and everybody was hot about this game. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. I have a lot of good to say about it. So well, I want your opinions now. Here, let's okay. get to some opinions. Okay, because we so always start from the outside in. We do. And uh, starting from the outside, at least, and I'll just talk about the estates version here, because I, I think Noya Heimitz out of print. And, you know, if you're if you're really into sort of the uh, the collector's piece of uh, gaming, yeah, go for it. But we're going to talk about the estates because it is uh, currently available and it's beautiful. Um, the box art and graphic design, I have to say, it's a really great job. It sort of is this little bit of a, a cartoon styling but uh but not not sort of goofy figures it's just sort of abstract i'm gonna hit you with this one when you show me the box cover i got this mm -hmm. instant tonka truck appeal to me you got it yeah yeah it's kind of got the tonka truck without the like it's not a kiddish cartoon feeling i get from it it just it, it's a really pleasant graphic design the colors pop very yeah. very perfectly um but there's there hasn't been in my opinion a sacrifice of clarity like each of the uh the six colored blocks are just very obviously those colors i think there's there's gray blue um yellow red green purple so it's it's, it's very basic colors right and and for the colorblind uh, what clay has done with capstone games here is actually uh, silk print or screen or whatever you call that different designs on each of those colors. So the oh, nice. colors, but it's also sort of these little designs on the sides of them. Nice. That's a good choice. Mm -hmm. So graphic design. Fantastic. I, I really like that the rule book and sort of the sides of the box look like this construction zone tape. It's a good thematic integration woven through the entire game. Um, the actual board itself, um, I think in terms of uh, graphic design, it's clear, you, you can easily parse the information. There are, There is one thing I would note that could have been more clear, which would have been there's specific building sites on the board, which, are, which limit building height to only one floor. And we have found that after you build that one floor, it sort of covers over that information. And people would constantly be wanting to build more floors on it. And we're always having to say, well, Nope, that one's a maximum of one. So there's there's one little bit uh, uh, that I would have would have liked to have seen changed. But yeah, the um, the components, like I said, big wooden, chunky wooden blocks. All the numbers are clear. I I, I don't think you could make the parts any better for this in terms of the components. Really, cool. <laughs> you know? um, the rule book itself, readability, slick and easy. Everything is laid out really well. There's an example on each of the pages. There's bullet points where you want them. 
I don't think I ran into any problems reading this rule book. Um, we don't have a background in academia, and when it comes to rule books, I need to be able to go to a rule book, find my answer, and get back to the game. How does yeah. that book achieve that? Yeah. Does it do a good job? This one does a great job in terms of that, yeah. Because nice. even the section titles is, you're going to find all the information that you need there. And really, it's it's only like, you know, six to eight pages worth of information. So it's it's not very much to, to sort through. All right. And and so this this whole auction game system, does it fit with the whole Essence style? Absolutely. The, the subtitle under the estates is Bid and Build. And um, I mean, those that is those are the two things you're doing, right? And uh, you're you're auctioning, and you're going to be utilizing those things in some way or another, connivingly or strategically, or, <laughs> or all of the above. Um, that unique mechanism is that. I mean, the auction mechanism itself isn't so unique. It's just how it's how it's the driving force behind what I think are so many decisions behind each auction. It's quite fascinating. So cool. It's kind of as pure an auction game as you can get in some ways. Uh, reminds me of, in some ways, like a Canizia title, you know? We're gonna, he's gotta come up at least every time we're on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, we could, if it was a drinking game, everybody could drink, we said Canizia. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so you're, so I'm just going to uh, interpret that this is all connecting very smoothly for you. <clears throat> it is. My opinion on the game is that, um, like it fits right in my wheelhouse. It's it situates itself firmly as I would say a strategically heavy game. Um, I think you can plan out long term ideas and and feel like um, you can sort of uh, work towards controlling the board. Um, there's ways of thinking through um, how you want to uh, yeah how you want to think economically like do you want to be the economic powerhouse and and bully others in the auctions or do you want to sort of be that that guy who's pesky and messing things up for other players i feel as though you can sort of don different roles in this game um and sort of try to see them through throughout the game you can you can play the generalist you can play the person who puts up roofs for auction every time i mean it just there's so much open to you in terms of the strategic space now, saying that, I've also mentioned it's an extremely chaotic game. <laughs> Things can swing really quickly if a player makes a move that completely changes the game state, which is very possible. But the chaos doesn't feel random or or anything like that. You have to be able to also tactically swing with those punch or like like block those punches, roll with them dodge it, figure out how to maybe recover your position or put the other person in a worse position than they just put you. And what, what I'm trying to process is how all of this is accomplishable in under an hour. <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's absolutely beautiful that way. Cool. Yeah. So I have, I have a high opinion of the game. Um, I think it's got legs. I've played it Oh, close to 10 times now. And it, it feels fascinating each time I break it out. I think there's decisions you can make in the early game that will completely reshape the game state. There's pieces you can auction off later in the game that would do that. It's it's so player-driven, so player-dependent, and I think that makes it an interesting interactive game, which is, again, right in my wheelhouse. Nice. And this is, I'm just going to provide some context, is that uh, you're the 18xx 
uh, um, aficionado of the uh, of the trio. And um, if this is if this is uh, acceptable um, fodder for your game night, I, I think that uh, that it's got good meat on its bones. Absolutely, I would agree with that, hundred percent. Cool. So th this is obviously staying on your shelf. It will definitely stay on my shelf because we don't rate stuff. It's just about does it stay on or does it fall off the shelf? Does it stay <laughs> on the shelf. Yep. I would say um, for those interested in um, pursuing this or purchasing it, uh, my only warning would be you got to have some thick skin and <laughs> you have to be willing to sort of laugh about it. <laughs> I actually think it's quite a funny game, if that's such a thing. Um, because of the chaos, uh, I mean, you could either get angry or you can laugh and just try to sort of sarcastically mm, <laughs> work your way back in, right? Like it's, uh, yeah, it's it's got a great sort of emotional content while you're playing actually as well, which I found. Yeah. People often, I've heard this, uh, the reference of, you know, knife fight in a phone booth. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, this just sounds like a chainsaw fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be uh, it's the way. Like, forget the, forget this little switchblades. This a chainsaw battle to the death. Oh, it's the, the bulldozer, right? He's going <laughs> to knock that phone booth right over. <laughs> I like it. Chainsaw yeah. classic. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, wrap this up for me. I, I, I want to play this. Just, let's, just put, let's just put that on the table right now. I want you to teach me this game so that I can create new curse words. Great. And you know what? Um, because of the play length, you can get multiple games in an evening. You can develop sort of a meta if you're into that. Um, it has alternative rules um, to be able to play three rounds that sort of link together as well. So there is a, you can sort of add an, an extra layer of heaviness, if you want to say it that way, to this game. Um, in, in terms of comparing it to other games, I mean, I, I am reminded of some Knizia approaches to auctions. It's just got that kind of simple tightness to it, um, shared incentives all around. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't recommend this game highly enough. And uh, it's cheap price point, beautiful production, and uh, easy access through the rules. And uh, and the, the players I've played with have been quite diverse. They've all really enjoyed it. All right, that's awesome. Thank you very much. We just heard from Luke talking about the estates. Ryan, how about you? Do you want to finish this off or do you want me to uh, finish it off with my classic? Because we're, we're basically back in that typical you and me, me the classics, you the hotness. Uh, I can tell you, I can. Yeah, we'll, we'll finish it off with a classic. All right, you take let's, it over. Let's, let's leave off on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> That's subjective, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, so what, what just dropped this past week was uh, a, a, a nice big bombshell in the in the quote unquote can you say quote unquote collectible card game community i got caught in that bombshell we'll talk about it later yeah a, a collectible game that's not really collectible but i guess it could be it's very unique isn't it it's very they call it the unique deck building game of course i'm talking about Keyforge, uh by richard garfield which has been like a oh man it, it hit our community pretty good um talking with jeff had amazing stories they they, they were selling their decks um like 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 crazy and then i think he all sold out of his starter kits too and according to to a text i received today he's sold out of all of them now wow so that's 
that that's a testament. So it is the hotness. Um, so what so what is so what is Key Forge here? So Key Forge is going to be it's a game that. Uh, how do how do you how how do well, you describe give, the uniqueness of this thing? Give the pedigree. That's like who it comes from, who and and the dude. Well, so I mean, yeah, it's it's coming from Richard Garfield, which of course a lot of people know Richard Garfield from the Magic: The Gathering. Um, a game I refuse to get into because I don't like I don't I don't take heroin for a reason, and oh, I'm not gonna play sorry. CCGs for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> I I dabbled in Magic: The Gathering quite quite a while ago i've been out of the scene for a long a long time but that that's besides the point so he came up with this new idea for a card game where he's taken the collectible part essentially out of it where you buy a deck of cards um and i think they, he's calling them archons so right now it's the the set right now is called call of the archons and what you do is you buy this deck of cards it's 36 cards and uh 37th card being your kind of like your deck list telling you all the different cards that are inside your deck in your deck only and that's the thing your deck is going to be completely different from the deck that say you buy norm or even if you go and buy a, a second deck it's going to be completely different than the previous ones you actually he's what's the quote on the fantasy flight games it's a fantasy flight games um production 104 quadrillion unique decks that can be created. Well, and you're the math guy, so you love the permutations because there's, I believe, 370 unique cards, something right. like that. Right. And, and then, so, and so a, a deck is consisted of um, there, there, there's seven. They call them houses, or seven factions. You can call them, and your deck is going to comprise of 12 cards. Um from three different factions so each faction is going to have 12 cards and you're going to get three factions in your deck and i guess the 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 big crux of this game is that you have to try to figure out the synergy of the cards that are given to you in your deck which has unique card back art and a unique um deck name assigned to it and so and this is they get around this too because it says you cannot you you cannot interchange cards between the, if I go and I collect a whole bunch of decks and all of a sudden I have um one of the one of my favorite houses in the game right now is is the house dis and um I can't take dis cards from another deck and interchange them into my deck because they don't match the card art uh, sorry the card backs and the front card names don't match so I can't I can't do that that level of restraint must drive people nuts so and they advertised it as not one card in this game is powerful it's rather the synergy between cards is what's powerful and so you have to try to figure out um the synergy between between your cards which is really 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 cool so let's get in let's get into the kind of the gameplay here because it's kind of, it is it does work a little bit different than say most um, collectible card games or most um, card games of this nature. One of the big things is that it's a race game essentially. You're racing to forge where forge three keys, and how you forge these keys is that you need to collect this uh, resource called amber, 
or ember or however you pronounce it there's a lot of debate on that which is actually kind of interesting um, but you have to collect this amber and if at the beginning of your turn you have six amber at least six amber you can forge a key or sorry no you can't you have to forge a key uh, if you have six amber and so essentially it is the first to do this three times um, you are you are the winner and I have to highlight that it, this is a 1v1 um, game. It's a, it's a two-player only. Um, we've dabbled in trying to do a three-player and, 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 and whatnot. It's kind of it, – keep keep it at the 1v1. Let, let Fantasy Flight and Richard Garfield come up with the rule sets for if you want to incorporate multiple players. <laughs> we, we were just experimenting. Um, and so – the unique thing about this, like other than Magic the Gathering or other card games like like uh, my favorite Dragon Ball Super right now, is um, there's no energy or there's no mana. What you literally do on your turn is that you announce one of your house factions or one of your yeah one of your house factions, and then you play or take actions from that house as many as you want. So if I have a hand of five dis cards and i announce i'm going to activate house dis well i could play all five of those cards if i wanted to and if and i already have and if i had cards house, in your tableau too yeah if i had house uh discards in my in my area in front of me i could activate them as well so that part is actually kind of quite unique you're not going to get mana locked in this in this game you can always do something well i'm going to quote it you can mostly do <laughs> there, there were times that my opponent opponents could lock me out of my turns uh, just just from cards that they played which is kind of which but, is, which but is i've noticed funny. that there's always something that you can do there's always you can do something you, you, you always just say hey i'm going to activate um this faction and then i just take as many turns as i want with that with that house so what are some of the things that you can do like well, there's a few different types of cards here a fort, of course. There's your your creatures, which are the your 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 bodies. Your, and every creature has a power level, which is quite unique. How they how they utilize this too. So, like a creature could have a power level of five. So what that means is that when he attacks, he's going to deal five damage to 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 his opponent. Also, it states that that's he can take five damage before he's destroyed. So one number takes care of both of those things. That's the attacking that he does and it's the amount of damage that he can withstand before he's destroyed. Um, there's artifacts, which are just cards that play behind your tableau that you can activate on your turn. They do various effects. There's upgrades, so you can attach a card to a creature and allows them to do something um, more powerful or puts a lasting game effect into the game state. And then there's location cards, which kind of um, resemble artifacts. They kind of give something, some sort of bonus usually to you or some sort of detriment to your, to your opponent that you're playing. Um, so then, so on your turn, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, on your turn, you either, so you can forge a key. At the beginning well, yeah, of you turn. must forge a key. If you have six amber. Yeah. You announce then, your house faction. Yeah. You take all these actions. Oh yeah, so I guess the other things that you can do with your creatures is that the how do you yeah how 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 do you get this precious amber? 
is that one of the actions that you can do with a creature is just say, I'm going to reap. And reaping means I'm going to exhaust my creature and I'm just going to take an amber from the amber pool. And some creatures might have, hey, if you reap with this creature, um, you, get a, you, get to, yeah. you get to do an effect. Or if you fight with a creature, so another thing you can do is you can just combat a creature that's across the board from you and you just fight and they might have some abilities where if they fight or sorry, if they survive a fight, they um, get some sort of ability and yeah. And then you go up to your cleanup phase, which means you know, all your exhausted creatures restand. Um, you draw back up to your hand size, which I believe in this game is six. Yep. I'm trying to get, get six. There's a the, there's a game effect that's called chaining. Yes, which is kind of interesting too because chaining it requires you to if you have to draw up to to your hand size. Well, chains in a, in the first level, if you're in the first level of chains, um, you draw one less fewer cards up to your hand size. So if I had to say draw three cards up to my hand size, but I had a chain, um, I can only draw two up to my hand size. We uh, we did an interpretation of uh, that's very similar to the mechanism of handicapping when you use it in golf. That if there's right. a stronger golfer, if you want to balance out the tables playing against a weaker golfer, you, that stronger golfer is is uh, is impeded with a handicap. And I believe because uh, I might have picked up the odd decker five um, that uh, you can load these up on an app and. Mm -hmm. um, once it starts working properly, you can start statistically averaging out how your deck compares to like if you and I play 10 times and right. and nine times out of 10, you're beating me. Well, then the app is going to handicap you with uh, with these chains um, right out of the gates in order to create some sort of competitive equilibrium, which I think yeah. is a great idea. Yeah. So the, the, so the game is very young. Um, like literally just launched this past like week and um, yeah, I'm really, really interested in what the Keyforge app is going to do because it is going, like they said, they're going to track this data. Um, how many times is my deck winning against certain other decks or um, Hey, this deck has the, um, has the shadows. Um, hey, shadows are maybe winning. 70% of their matches. So if your deck has shadows, you're going to start maybe start, you have to start with some chains to kind of balance, balance that out. Um, there's certain card effects too that where you can gain chains, but the main one that we're looking at right now is that that handicap that you're kind of um, talking about, suggesting that if, Hey, my, if, if I, you and I are playing head to head and I've won like five games in a row and I've won five games in a row handedly, I should probably, my deck is, hinting towards probably that i'm stronger yeah so i should probably start with a little bit more of a handicap so that you can kind of have a have a have a little bit of a balance or in my case the fact that i'm feebly playing the synergy in my cards <laughs> right so so it, time and time time will tell that it's cool it's yes definitely um and gameplay is very quick very very quick like uh, a, a, a game is going to take less than half an hour um between between two players and the um when we were playing too i noticed that once you came into a questionable moment in regards to the rule clarity or the cards uh, um use of words to define what's really happening um i i think it's pretty much keep it simple 
because as we were reading the cards, we we stopped overthinking what it could be and just went, oh, okay, well this this is basically a global, you know, uh, a house yeah. effect, or, or like they say the Omni, right? So I, I thought that I thought that the yeah, um, so 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 the so it's a little a little hint in here. So if you buy go out and you you get your hands on a starter kit. We'll come, what's coming inside that starter kit is what you're getting is what's called a quick rules reference. It's supposed to be a quick rules reference to get you kind of get you up and playing the game. And there's two little starter decks that that are the same in all starter kits. Um, yeah, you get, you get the two decks that are pre preset. Everybody's going to get the exact same in their starters, and you play with those to kind of and use the quick rules to kind of play back and forth. Um, but what you what you don't get in the starter kit is an uh, is a full comprehensive rule book, and you have to go on the Fantasy Flight Games website to go get that full rule book. Because what they're going to do, or what they're doing, is they're incorporating this living document, where they're going to keep updating these rules and updating the FAQ um, as this game is getting played and played and played more. So right now, there's a, they've already made a change to it. As I went on today, like they're already on version one point one. Yeah, and I mean the fan base is such that everyone's going to be accessing this information from their phones while they're playing the game. So yeah, I thought that was pretty slick. Yeah, and so if you if you go and you look at that 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 full rule book that's on their website, it has all of the answers to like almost all of the questions right now that people are people are asking like what are these extra what are these keywords that are not in this quick start yeah what what do these things mean the full rule book has those but you have to go online to find it and it's i mean it's easily accessible too so yeah. are you ready to do some opinions from outside in um sure <laughs> what, what, what 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 do you what do you get on the outside here? You literally what literally what you could do is you can just actually go buy two Keyforge decks. I was talking I was talking to Jeff at Amazing Stories about this, and we're trying to weigh the pros and cons of the of the starter kit, and we both came to the conclusion that the starter kit is it's not necessary. Training wheels. It it, it literally is. The, the cool thing about the starter kit it does it it does come with also two other random decks yeah so so like instead of just going by you could buy the starter kit get the two preset decks and two random decks plus you get the little cardboard tokens which we actually don't even use we just use dice yeah we, we use dice we use dice to track damage we use dice to track how much amber we've collected so you don't need the tokens you don't really need the, the the fancy little cardboard key tokens you can just keep track of how many keys you forged well if it comes down to the cards then let's talk about the card art graphic design i've got a few opinions because i mean like, like i said i, oh, I picked well, up a few I, cards oh i i, I like to hear because i really i really dig the art i really dig the art in, the, in, in, uh, yeah the one thing that i like and again I must I must clarify this that I am not a CCG guy. I just started um, uh, playing some LCG stuff that we'll talk about later. And um, so these cards, I I I I knew that it was easy to read because nothing was in frames. I hate when they have text that's boxed up in frames because now you've reduced the 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 real estate that you can use to to you know 
to bring your font up to a legible size. And I'm not saying I'm getting old, but <laughs> I don't want to have to come, you know, ask somebody to read something off of a card because my arm's not long enough. So I, from, from that aspect of the readability, awesome. I love it. Oh, I, I, I have to agree. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little miffed a little bit about the, the card quality that they chose to go with this game. It's not, it's not like a, like a thicker card stock. There's no like linen finish to the, to these cards, but it was meant for mass production is essentially what it was, what it was doing. So I have my cards in sleeves so that they, they, they are a little bit more nimble. They do fold a little bit easier when you're shuffling them. So I, so I, I have sleeved my cards just for that reason, because if I am going to be shuffling this deck around, I am going to be using this deck quite often. I want my cards to actually last. But it's a fourteen dollar deck. I mean, it's 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 well, for, it's just for, for that, us. It's for us, that's fourteen. Can, that's fourteen Canadian dollars. Yeah. So for <laughs> Americans, that's five twenty five. <laughs> oh no, we're joking. We're so joking. It's Are about we? a buck fifty. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, other than that, the, the the component quality is 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 right on it. It's a card game. Uh, I just wish they could have they could have upped the quality of the cards a little bit. I but that's a that's a very nitpicky thing. That's what they have card sleeves for. And and uh, from what you had kind of pointed out that uh, there could be a potential that because this one's called something of the Archon, you said that yeah, this is... the next series could be answering those questions to the people that are saying let's up the quality on the cards or let's do this. I mean they'll have a they'll have a second shot at taking care of all the little incidental details that a lot of people were were you know yeah because <laughs> like you that can't modify the scam thing yeah you can't modify the decks so these decks they're 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 set yeah i set. I, I, can't, I, I can't take anything from if they come up with a new set i can't <laughs> interchange i can't interchange them no i'm i'm sensing that this is this is bugging your cc genus actually i don't this doesn't bug me at all because okay. one of my the one of the biggest thing about collectible card games and especially a uh, competitive part card games is the, is the deck building aspect which is the most necessary piece if you want to be competitive or if you want to put together something fun or anything but it's the bane of my existence i hate deck building <laughs> i hate taking the time to try to figure out the synergy between cards that i hey, well, I, need, I need to put four copies of this in and only two copies of this in and it 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 it, it drives me nuts i I don't like doing it. That's why I, I'm a, con a constant uh, consumer of YouTube media, of people <laughs> posting their deck lists, and I, and I take theirs as a skeleton and I kind of modify it a little bit. I suck at coming up with something brand new and something unique. So if I can just open up a box, a deck of cards, and say, this is what I have to use, perfect. I'll pay, for, I'll pay 14 Canadian dollars for that every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, um, let's hit the, let's hit the most important part of this, this opinion thing is, is there uniqueness to this game? Like we talk about unique mechanisms. What's so unique about this game? The, the unique part about it is that this is a deck. This is a, you get a deck and you can't <laughs> modify it. It's hard to say what's unique about this. The fact that they say it's a unique card game, it's, but if you're, if you're, but gameplay wise, they're, they're not doing anything groundbreaking. No. In, in, in the terms of like these these competitive card games like Magic or Dragon Ball or Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or anything like that, 
Um, if you want to talk about a game mechanism, it's the fact that there's no energy or mana for the cards. You just announce a faction and you just take as many actions as you want with that house. I um, found that, that, that be, you that you want or can. I found that to be the 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 simplicity of it was just was just so easy to play because like yeah, I said, because now no background in this and I was learning from zero. And so that's I what I, this would be a really good. This is a really good game if you want to introduce somebody into a cl a collectible card card game. Oh yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> this, this 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 hits so many of the mechanisms of like even just like a simplistic combat, um, the order. It's so important the order in which you play your cards. Oh yeah, the order that you take your turns. That is what I really like about this game is that I have to figure out what is the correct order that I play things down to get to ricochet off a combo. So I love puzzling out each hand. It was so much fun. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm more intrigued because, like I said, this thing took off with a full head of steam, and it's like it's it's selling out everywhere. People are playing it. People are loving it. I want to evaluate this game in a year's time. I want to see the sustainability. Um, I'm interested in what the tournament scene is going to like. Apparently, they got tournament set rules, like sealed, like sealed decks. Like you just go to a a local store like amazing stories you buy a deck and then you compete for the afternoon that is that's that's crazy because <laughs> i'm opening up a brand new deck i have no idea what these cards do and i'm going to compete the, with them then the, the the game terrain is equal and it just comes oh, yeah. down to individual players ability experience yeah but, which is really cool. Or they have the then they're gonna have their open format where you bring a deck of cards that you've been playing with already, and then you all then you compete. So that would be more of like, hey, I've figured out the synergy of my deck already. So now let's let let's test it out against other people that are in the similar situation. Cool. Are you yeah. uh, you ready to do some conclusions? Sure. I'm. I really enjoy this game. Um, there's. My, my my students and my wife actually really enjoy this game too maybe because the, it's a, it's eliminated that deck building aspect the, the the gameplay like we said is it's it's very smooth it's very simple um yes there there are there's times of card text where you kind of maybe have to look up what does that card text actually do in the terms of what i'm trying to do um but those are minimal the the rule book which you can, can only find online is really really good they're, they've adopted that living um, format. It's going to change consistently as they kind of update and tweak things. I really enjoy this. It, it It's easy to get played. It takes like only about like 30 minutes to say like play a game. I'm just interested in how, how is it, how is it going to sustain? All right. So, so, so uh, Keyforge. That, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Keep like, stepping no, on. No, that, that's okay. Because, yeah, Keyforge. I think he has something here because there's even board games that are starting to going to do this. Have you heard of the game Discover? Yep. The the, yep. the one that's supposed to be unique. That if I buy my board game, it's going to be completely different than the, than say if another person buys this, like the train is going to be different. The 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 event cards that come out are completely different. Um, my only perspective and opinion of that is I'd rather experiment on that idea 
with a $13 deck of cards rather than a $60-$70 board game. Exactly. But it's it, the, the, this idea of, hey, mine is unique. You are never going to have it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, concept you is that, kind of. You could say that of legacy games too. Once you're done your legacy game, right? True, but in the, in a legacy game, everybody's starting with the exact same thing. It's your experience that's going to change okay. change the game over the time. This one is it's coming right out of the box. It's completely different. I'm going to be uh, doubting Danny on this one, and I'm going to say, "Hmm, flash in the pan." Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I had a conversation at uh, Dragon's Den with uh, with some folks there, and it was uh, it was that idea of uh, is 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 this like um, what was the game five hundred four Friedman Freeze? Oh yes, great experiment, a fantastic experiment, but uh, it's like walking into an ice cream shop with a million flavors. I just I want I just want a race game. I don't want right. It's to me it was as far as as far as a theoretical exploration to see if it could practically work. Yeah, it, I mean yes, I, I I had owned that game and kind of played around with the flip this board and get this board and get this board and then create a uh, pickup and delivery race take that game. Um, but again, it was like. Uh, I don't want to do research. Yeah. This this one is it like I said, time's gonna tell. It's it's definitely um approachable enough to a wide variety a wide variety of people. Um, like I was talking to some 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 magic the gathering people at our local Dragon Ball night, and um it somebody said they saw this Keyforge game on the side and they're like, Oh, I don't want to have to learn another card game. And I said, That's the beauty of it, you don't. <laughs> I said you're you're going to you're going to open up that deck. You're going to take a look at a lot of the keywords. You're going to know exactly what to do. You're just going to need to learn about what the what 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 the little intricacies of like how what's the game how does the game play out. It'd be an interesting it, question to Garf Richard Garfield in the fact that designing a game like this, you're already tapping into the pre-acquired knowledge of the 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 market that he's going after. Right? They already know that game system. They already know those mechanisms. They already know the words. They already know how cards are supposed to synergistically connect. So yeah. on, on, I'd like to talk to him on his perspective that that how much of his designing this game was based on the the valid previous knowledge of all the users. And I have a theory that he created this game to try to get more and more people to play Magic the Gathering afterwards. <laughs> Which yeah. very well could be, and why not? I mean, to me, this is like Magic: The Gathering cotton candy. Yeah, this is this is, would be a gateway collectible card game. But uh, like I like I said, <laughs> there's the only collectible do CCGs. <laughs> the, the, the collectibles. Now, have you heard this? I'm gonna I'm gonna interject that because we're gonna get way off topic, and that's all. That's awesome. Have you heard about Have you heard about the um? the the four horsemen and the four maverick horsemen. factions yes <laughs> have you heard of these yeah give us a bit of background on this so there's the seven main factions in the deck in the game but apparently there are some decks where incorporate a a single card I, I think it's only a single card that is of one of these factions but they call it a a maverick or they've called it a it's a it's a four horsemen or something like that um 
And so now people are out there trying to buy up decks to try to get one of these like apparently super rare decks that contain like a Maverick or contain a four horseman card. I saw on the Fantasy Flight boards, somebody had a four horseman deck and was selling it for 140 bucks. Yeah, I, that, that, it's, it's crazy. Nation, <laughs> man. It, it's, it's crazy because we're trying to eliminate the collectible aspect, but it, it, it's not going to happen. Can't take the stripes off a tiger. Because even I was reading, because even my my cards, there are cards that are classified as commons, yep. uncommons, rares, and uh, do they call it a super rare? I don't, I don't, I don't know what they put the other. Uh, it's right here. Oh, I just passed by. It's special. They call it a special. <laughs> so I even have cards that are like, oh, man. Do I keep buying it till I find what the special card is, or how many special cards are there? I don't are know. You chasing the dragon? You're chasing the dra- oh, no, you're chasing the four horsemen. So you're gonna, you're gonna start chasing the horsemen. So so I'm okay. I've only got four decks. I've, <laughs> I've only five. I, I I've got five. Yeah, I've only I've only got the four. I I started playing. What's what's your favorite? What's your favorite deck name right now? Ah oh, man. Favorite deck name you said? Yeah. So so mine, the one that I'm playing, and I'm gonna play this one because it's just awesome because it runs actually pretty smooth. But I love the deck name is the Undead Survivalist of the Under Ruin. <laughs> <laughs> there's a I, I I don't have my decks with me, but there's there was one that was like the passive. It was the funniest, non-aggressive, sort of lazy college student kind of feel sounding name to it it was hilarious <laughs> yeah. perfect right, so bottom line is this something that's going to stay on your shelf or is it falling off your shelf it's probably gonna i'm going to evaluate again in about a year um it's going to stay on the shelf for probably at least that time and then i'm going to see how the scene's going to go in about a in about a year's time if things are dying off it'll it'll probably get traded away all right because so, because you know my my you know my addiction with my other collectible card games. So, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, maybe if, you know. That's a whole total. That's a whole total episode talking about that episode about collectible card games. <laughs> okay, so um, are we ready for some classic? Yeah, let's jump ship. Let's do some let's do some classics. And I, when I talk classics, I mean I'm talking like back to 1995 in the same year that Settlers of Catan came out, we have El Grande. Oh, such a and, good game. I love saying that name, El Grande. El Grande. Um, designed by Wolfgang Cromer and Richard Ulrich. Um, I think I have the big box which is the Rio Grande, I believe. I can't Z-Man, I want to say Z-Man games. Z-Man Games, yes. Um, overview. Well, let's get straight to it because for some reason, a uh, some key forging started chewing into some extra time. No, <laughs> uh, so let's 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 do uh, let's do up some historical background. So the game is based on Spain in the 15th century. There are 12 kingdoms, one country, one principality, and the Basque provinces. The country is made up of five ethnic groups, which are the players and the colors, um, uh, the aristocracy, especially uh, the grandes, the high aristocracy. It kind of at the time depicts the uh, the political and the uh, cultural 
context of Spain in, in uh, that epoch. Uh, all regions want to develop their own power and influence. To this end, uh, the castles or the castillos play a, an important role. And I'm going to come back to that one because that's where I want to talk about that unique mechanism. Um, the object of the game in El Grande is that each player um, is the grande in one region. And when we refer to grande, it's basically the captain of the guard because you have all your, uh, your conquistadors um, that uh, basically are your dudes on the map kind of thing as we talk about this. Um, and uh, so you have your caballeros. I, I call them conquistador, but you have your caballeros <laughs> in El Grande. Um, and uh, basically, um, you uh, each grande attempts to benefit of Spain and for its own benefit to extend its influence across the whole of Spain. So we're talking area control. We are talking the granddaddy of area control games. Um, I did not do some extensive research to determine if there was any other type of, of area control or area influence games, but from, from my general knowledge, this is the one that is the model of comparison, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So um, let's see, the, the, did a bit of the overview, the mechanisms. Well, there's, there's really cool layers to this game because it's not just, in my opinion, it's not just an area control game. Area control is the result of all the decisions you make before that point because you have a hand of, uh, of power cards uh, 1 to 13, and basically you're auctioning for initiative order every turn. And uh, so what's going to happen is you're going to use these cards uh, uh, numbered 1 to 13 that also have um, a amount of caballeros that you're able to take out of your province and bring onto your tableau to be able to put onto the map. So there's, there's this sequence, there's like a three-stage sequence from... Uh, like I said, the province to uh, on your tableau, and then there's a specific term that I, I don't have in my head right now. Um, and then from your tableau, they go onto the board. Now, the way to get them on the board is yes, you are auctioning initiative order because there are these power cards. Or, or, sorry, not power cards. You have these um, action cards that uh, go from one to five, level one. Um, level two, level three, level four, level five, and level five being the most powerful card. Um, I like the how they have this balance. The more powerful the card, yes, but the less people that you're able to put onto the board. So you have to decide as a player when you're when you're choosing what action selection. And in my opinion, these action cards are part of that whole auction which triggers off an action selection part of this game and you have the choice to either take a level one card which will get you lots of caballeros on the board but the action the power level of the action is moderate um, if you go to level five you get to move the king now when you move the king this is the cool unique part of it is that um, wherever the king is that territory is locked. You cannot move things in, you cannot take people out. Now, when you put people on the board, the king is significant because um, putting people on the board have to be adjacent to a province that is occupied by king. So as that king moves around to all of these provinces, it shifts 
where you can deploy people onto the board. And so that's a powerful card to have. Now yeah, it's it sucks sometimes when you are locked into oh man, I really needed to put people over here, but Norm put the king over here, and I am not interested in any of those territories, but those are where I can only play right now, which is a really cool decision and it get it can it can be frustrating and the cards it's what i like too is the cards have there's two actions two potential actions because you may now it's you uh, have to put caballeros on and you may take the action and you can do it in whatever order you want so in regards to the king's card i can put some dudes onto the board and then move the king and lock that area down take majority control of that area and then lock it down with the king um there's so many different, I mean, which is very start. important break before a scoring round. Oh, there's, there's a, a six round version and a nine round version. So the six round version is a short where there's going to be uh, one scoring and then one end of game scoring the nine round version. You'll have uh, uh, sort of like a period of one scoring period, two scoring, and then an end of game scoring. Um, and yeah, that, that, uh, that King card, uh, just controlling and manipulating that king. Also, moving the king out of an area where you don't want to have. You could you could force. You could be passive aggressive and force some area control competition amongst your competitors, and just sit back in the background and, and watch the chaos <laughs> ensue. Um, so, uh, as we said, there's uh, uh, in regards to the rounds and the scoring. Now. The scoring is so interesting because you stop the game in its tracks and you go through a, a very kind of procedural way of scoring. And the first one is everybody has a disc that has all the provinces. And on this disc, because we're going to talk about that, that the Castillo right away here, um, is uh, everybody has the names of the provinces on these discs. And on your turn, you may choose to put people on the board or you may choose to put people in the Castillo. And the Castillo is basically a big, tall tower, right? Cardboard tower that hides the amount of cubes that are in there. Now, when you put them in, you have to announce to everybody, I'm putting in three cubes. It can't be this hidden information mm. thing. It has to be outright understandable information. And I've gotten to arguments with people because they'd start writing down, oh, yellow put three. And I'm like, no, you can't write that down. Well, sure you can. How am I supposed to know? If the designer wanted you to write it down, he would have put a pad in the game. No, you need to use your memory for this. Mm -hmm. So that's I agree. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, no, no. You need to pay attention, right? Um, so when you go to scoring, you choose an area on the problem on the uh, of the 15 areas on the map, and then you score the Castillo, which is you open it up and you see who has, um, you know, majority. And then you uh, give, you know, first place points, second place points, third place points. But here is the, 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 the what I'm going to talk about in the unique mechanisms. When these players come out, you get to put them on the board and it changes instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Your plans, like your whole scoring plans, you might as well have like you might as well take that whole map of how you're going to you know take over this 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 board and throw it out because those castillo decisions can throw a huge wrench into your plans mm -hmm. uh, i'll come back to that later because i want to spend some more time talking about that 
because, and I'm have this feeling you have some opinions about that one too. So cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, on your turn, you do, you um, participate in this, in this initiative auction, then you select your action card, you perform your action and basically um, it goes around and turn. And what I really like about this game in regards to uh, the initiative order to start this auction is whoever had the last play in the previous round gets to be the first person to, to choose on their power cards what card I'm coming up with, what initiative order do I want to be in. And what I had not mentioned before is that if I play uh, a 12, which means I want to go right away and I'm not I, and, and I'm willing to not have any uh, um, caballeros come into my into my population system, um, nobody else can play that number. So once a number is played, you can't repeat that number. You either got to go above it or you got to go below it. I think that is so much fun. Right. You, but you can play that number on a later round. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But if, if I want to go first because there's a card out there that it's like, oh, this card could blow me up completely. And you start before me and you look at me with a big smile and you drop a 13. I have no power. I can't. I cannot stop you from doing that now. Yeah. And I'm saying that because I think it happened. <laughs> many, many times. So many times. So basically, how do you score points and how do you win? So each territory, it's area control. So each territory during the scoring phase will have in that territory a first, second, and third place uh, um, uh, scoring point system. Um, now, basically, that's it. You get to see as the game develops who if we scored right now, who would have first, who would have second, who would have third? So it is such an organic, vibrant fist fight. <laughs> That's pretty much, it's a passive aggressive fist fight because there's there's no direct conflict. It's all on my turn. I Oh, I'm gonna push these four guys out and make chaos for everybody else around me. And look at that, I am now area majority in this in this territory. Thank you very much. You all hate me, but we can deal with that next round. <laughs> um, let's, I mean, yeah. And, and of course, it's your typical Euro. Most victory points win. wins. Right. Um, as far as the mechanisms, before I get into some opinions, do you want to, uh, do you want to kick in some, uh, some side notes? Uh, no, you're, you're doing a fantastic job. It, it, very, very thorough. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to uh, say that the coffee right now is influencing the speed and the rhetoric. <laughs> and as I speak, I'm going to have a sip. Um, so opinions. I'm going to get straight to it. Um, we always do outside in the box. I said it was made in 1995 and they have not changed the artwork. So it looks like a stale coffee stained, tea stained, bland as 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 like mud as far as the colors go um euro but it works but <laughs> but it works look past the cover i mean yeah. 1995 come on i don't think they had colors back then i think crayola had seven colors and that was it oh i know you take a look at the original settlers of Catan box who bought that yeah, <laughs> and, yeah and, and saying so this is the same year that uh that settlers of Catan came out um so it's it's a vintage hero, and I mean you don't you don't change it. I mean that's uh, in my notes here. It's like you don't change Rolling Stones album covers. 
they that's how they're supposed to look led zeppelin album covers that's how they're supposed to look you don't you don't go oh you know what let's 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 update you know um rolling stone sticky fingers album because we don't it's not appropriate now no you don't touch a work of art and that's what i think i mean as stale as that as that Spa spaniard is on the box that's what it's supposed to be so um yeah right. and and for the for the differences between like the 1995 and like we say we have the big box everything where they because it was your standard euro at the time everything was cubes well that little wooden cubes but now in the big box edition now they actually have little meeples you've just hit the next one is the components it's like the original was cubes and then the upgrade how are we gonna upgrade cubes let's make meeples right i mean it wasn't really an upgrade it was a side grade but again it's all about that it's all about how that game works it's all about how the whole system comes together and i might as well jump to that one right away because like i said that auction system that action selection system and then the resulting area control area influence those three things are the cogs fit so smoothly together as your turn goes and then the rounds go and then the scoring happens um i i i yeah that system is so um finely tuned it's it's like it's like a it's like a a 1984 Porsche 911 engine that just just wee, it just hums. I mean, you don't want to tinker with it, which is like you said, we both have the base game. I, I mean, the uh, big box. I have yet to take out any of the expansion cards. I've never played with any of the expansions because I, I don't think I want to spoil the experience. I am so enthralled with the base game still that the uh, it's one of those. I, I I don't need extra this or extra. This is just exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, because like for for us, um, if I if I could have just bought just the base game, I probably would have. But the the just just the base game has been long out of print. Mm -hmm. All you can all you can really find is the Z-Man Games Big Box Edition now. Um, I'm pretty sure there's probably copies out there floating around somewhere, but that I, people are not willing to get rid of it because it's such a good game it'd be interesting to see if someone is it would 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 uh bring that one back out and and just the base game without the big box edition that'd be interesting uh, i think z-man's got the soul rights to it yeah okay well i want to talk about that unique mechanism i want to talk about the castillo Oh, so, man, yeah. as I said, on your turn, you can choose to put your dudes on the board or you can put them in the Castillo, which itself scores like a province. But that here's the uniqueness is that 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 wheel, that hidden information, each person who and each person, even regardless if they have put people in there, get to secretly pick a spot. And then when everyone's picked a spot, they reveal and all the players all your players from the Castillo go into that region. That throws such a wrench into my plans every time because I can see on the board, if we could score right now, here's the areas I would score. And then all of a sudden, oh, darn, Ryan's got six in the Castillo. He's got six. He could easily put those in here and take the majority away from me, or he could go over here. Or, I'm not paying attention to here. He might even just drop them over here because there's no king rule with the Castillo. Mm -hmm. 
put them anywhere on the board and you can completely mess up someone's plans. Like, yeah. like flip the table and just like, Oh, and, and, and is, is there something where if two players pick the same region, that or, is one, that one, or is that one of the power cards? That's one of those power cards. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the kids, Oh yeah. There's been a, there was one time where I believe we're playing a five player game and four players all chose the same territory to put their, their player. The, the territory was basically overrun. It was hilarious. Well, not so much because I think it was mine. Cause get out of my pay rent or get a lost you guys. Um, does this all connect? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, is it, I mean, it's a Euro. Is it thematically connected to the, you know, that's that, that historical background that they give us? No, this is good. This, this could have been easily set nowadays in space. This could have been meerkats on the Savannah for all we care. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's euro it's these mechanisms it's it's the math that just works so so magically and i'm not a math guy nope like you said all the little systems intertwine flawlessly from the bidding in which how 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 early do i want to go in the turn which is connected to how many people am i going to be able to place onto the Board, how many people am I going to be able to get? Uh, so when I select my power card, would when I select my power card, it determines how many people I'm going to kind of get and what kind of power do I want? Um, do well, I need, do, do I take away? Do I need the king or do I need to change the value of the region that I'm in? Like very very can do I want the power that moves other people's me? Uh, uh, um, caballeros around the board so many unique uh, things and then oh man a scoring round is coming up i gotta make sure that i'm optimizing um the the the, the mode the most out of that am i going to be able to am i going to be actually be able to score anything this up to this upcoming round oh man so they, so they all it's and i um just just, just beautifully well wolf game cromer like again he, he he's a genius a lot of his i'm a fan of lots of his games um just the way just the way his mind works it it is very beautiful yeah so to conclude um still to this day um i used this i used this phrase before earlier this is the comparative model of all area control area influence games in my opinion because every time i play a game that that has that area i always think okay Cool. How does it compare to El Grande? Is this going to stop me from playing El Grande? And I've yet to see a game that has kind of nestled its way beside El Grande on the shelf in regards to this is just as good an area control game as El Grande. I've yet to find that game that is just as good at what this <laughs> game has. It is top shelf. Oh, oh. is that going to be a new expression for this part? Yeah. El Grande, um, top shelf game for me. I like the I like that term, top shelf. <laughs> so with that being said, let's uh, let's wrap things up here. So thank you very much for tuning into Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host Norm. Hey, hey I'm Ryan, and we'll catch you later. We 
are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community. And on Board Game Geek, guild number 3039.